Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez. And before we get started, I'd like to say thank you to one of our listeners in the Dallas area, Ken. Ken's been listening for quite some time to our show. So thanks for being a listener of The How of Business. Ken, appreciate it. Our guest today, though, is Mark Gaberti. Mark, welcome to the show. Henry, it is such a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to have you with us. Let me tell you a little bit about Mark, and then we'll have him tell more about his story. Uh, Mark is an entrepreneur, an author, a blogger, a podcaster, a coach, an educator. Oh, and he's also a college student. I don't know how he does it all, but that's one of the things I want to uncover in today's conversation. He's an accomplished young man who began his entrepreneurial journey when he was a teenager. Uh, Mark is the author also of several books, including 27 Ways to Get More Retweets on Twitter. So he's an expert on Twitter. And one of his more recent books is entitled Content Marketing Secrets, How to Create, Promote, and Optimize Your Content for Growth and Revenue. Uh, Mark has been featured in the Huffington Post and Success Magazine, and he writes, he's a writer and contributor for Pro Blogger, Business to Community, and the Westchester Business Journal. He's also the host of his own podcast, which has released 182 episodes and counting, and it's a great show where he interviews other um, successful business owners and also covers topics similar to my show. I think you're releasing five episodes a week now. Is that right? Yes, it is. Right. That's crazy. I do one episode a week and that's enough of a challenge with everything else I have going on. Uh, Mark lives in the greater New York City area uh, with his, you've lived with your family correctly or are you uh, off in a dorm? Uh, tell me again where you live. I live with my family. With your family. That's what I thought. Um, so in today's episode, Mark's going to share his very interesting entrepreneurial journey. It's inspirational, not just for young people, but for me, it's tremendously inspirational. I wish I would have had your drive and vision and clarity clarity as early as you did. And so that's why I'm fascinated in part to talk to you about that. But then we're also going to get some tips. Mark is an expert, like I said, in online content marketing, and that's what he does. He helps small business owners improve their online marketing. So we'll get some tips from him on that as well. So with all that said, Mark Gaberti, once again, welcome to the show. Henry, thank you for having me. Excited. So let, let's start uh, the early the early journey, which started early. I think if I got it right with the research, you started a blog, um, a fan blog for the Red Sox because you're a Red Sox fan. And that's kind of got what got you started online. Is that right? Uh, yes, that's right. Because uh, as a New Yorker and you're a Red Sox fan, it's really hard to find any Red Sox fans in the area. So uh, the blog about the Red Sox was just a way to reach out to other Red Sox fans. Uh, like that eventually catapults like 19 books later, Breakthrough Success Podcast and other things like that. But it really did just start from that one blog about the Boston Red Sox because it got me into blogging and uh, building a community. Yeah, it exposed you to that whole world. But but did you always think you wanted to be a business owner or an entrepreneur or did that come later? Um, I always felt like I was I wanted to do something special, like not something uh, like 
just ordinary. And I, I obviously like when you're really young, you can't really piece that together. You just think like, I want to do something special, but, uh, the pieces came into place later on for me to, uh, become an entrepreneur, but like, uh, at like, uh, like very early, like before I even started, like it wasn't like entrepreneur was at like the uh, forefront of my mind. But you, you wanted to do something special. And th- did that mean you didn't necessarily see yourself in a traditional job or profession? You knew that early on? Yeah, it was something like that. And if I did have to get like a traditional job, it would have to be something like really incredible for uh, me to do. Where did this come from, Mark? Is it, um, was it just always in your character, in your nature to want to overachieve, to want to have an impact? Where, where did that come from, do you think? Uh, well, my parents did always encourage my brother and I to just uh, do the best we can. So um, like we had the overachiever like built into us right from the start. Uh, so um, it was better to like uh, like try your best and get like the B than it was like not try it all and get the A like, because um, – just that whole nature of like putting in effort to get the result and not just having the result land on your lap. Yeah. Did, did you have, I don't know what your parents, what do they do for a living? Um, my dad is the uh, director of operations at uh, a meat company at Hunts Point, And uh, my mom is a uh, nutritionist who helps people make healthy uh, life, like, Mm-hmm. eat healthier and uh, live healthier lives. And does she have her own practice or or does she work for someone doing that? Oh, no, she has her own practice. She's yeah. self-employed and she uh, takes in clients. Yeah. So that, that has to have been somewhat of an influence, right? That you must have observed in her some of the flexibilities that come from being your own boss. Was that an influence? Yeah, I mean, I believe that was an influence, Um like, you know, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with and like family right there. It's just like three of the five. So she had a really big influence on me. Everyone did. So after the blog, I mean, you started doing becoming a specialist in Twitter, for example, and producing content there and helping other. You were doing this as a teenager. Um what I'm trying to still understand that transition from this is interesting. I like blogging. I mentioned, and obviously you started by creating your own audience and that kind of, then you realize, Hey, I'm pretty good at this. Let me help others. But then at some point that turned into, you realize this is a business that I can continue to grow. Right. Yeah. This was something that like, I didn't transition into it right away. Like I think I wrote on the Red Sox blog for a year. Again, it was like just a hobby at the time. It wasn't something I was taking too seriously. And then uh, they moved to WordPress, so I was able to create more blogs on more topics. I was doing the whole driving traffic to the blog, and one of my blogs was getting hundreds of daily visitors. And at that point, I realized I had something, so I created another blog just about like some of my uh, insights that I had, like getting that blog to hundreds of daily visitors and mm-hmm. uh, some of the stuff that I learned along the way because it really fa- like social media really fascinated me the way you could grow your audience and promote your content and reach out to so many different people. So, uh, like it it took a while, but like to, um, start at that point where I'm creating content, like it's about content marketing, it's about social media marketing. Uh, but it, it really just came down to, uh, learning as a student to grow my existing blogs because I just wanted to reach more people. 
and then applying those so much that I decided to focus my content on that topic. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. What, what were some of those early lessons? You know, like you said, you had some early success with one of your blogs or multiple blogs in driving traffic. What were some of those things you learned that worked? Uh, one of the big things I did for that blog was just pump out a lot of content. And this was like a, con- a topic that didn't have a lot of blogs in the area. So I was on like, uh, like, page one or very close to that for some of the uh, keywords in my area. So uh, a lot of that was just like picking a topic that didn't have as much demand, uh, writing a lot of content on that and just providing a lot of value. So I saw like a lot of the traffic came from uh, search engines because I wasn't really too good at uh, developing an audience around the topic on Twitter and other social networks. Uh, But that's what came later with the content marketing. So a lot of it was based on the search engine. So I just learned to create a lot of content, uh, have that deep library of blog posts people can continue going back to so people spend more time on your blog. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, that's such a key point. Everybody that I've spoken to on this topic and my own experiences, there are a lot of different tips and techniques and tricks and some things that come and go as Google has advanced the algorithm and other platforms. But the thing that never changes, Mark, is you have to create good, uh, fresh, relevant content, and that's at the heart of it, right? Yeah, that's that's number one. Okay, so um, you still were on the track to go to college, which is where you're at now. That's uh, something you wanted for yourself or your parents uh, kind of insisted on. And the reason where I'm going with this question, I've, I gave it a lot of thought myself since I've I mentioned I have a daughter at, before we started recording, a daughter who's your age as well. She's at university. She's at business school and, and she's studying entrepreneurship and sales. And I didn't go to college for various reasons. We won't get into the details of now, but I always wonder what advantage there is to going to school if you're going the entrepreneurial route. There's a lot of, I can I can argue both sides of it, right? But why did you decide that you needed to go to university? Uh, it was something that my parents really wanted. It was something that I also wanted to because I also uh, run for the uh, team there. So that's another um, part of why I made that decision. But like with finance, like the numbers remain the same. So that's why I chose that as a uh, major path. And I do like understand how there are like different sides. Like when you're an entrepreneur, like there are some people who just get out of college and they build a successful business. So like I can see like both sides of it, but like this is something that like uh, the college is a very enjoyable experience. Uh, I know that like um, like you only have like such a limited amount of time in college, so it's best to enjoy it. And I, that's something where I just didn't want it to uh, slip past me that overall uh, experience and uh, like the uh, the education as well. Now, like I know for entrepreneurs, like you learn by taking action. So uh, like for like, it depends on the profession that you're in. It depends on what you're trying to do. College is definitely more valuable for uh, some people based on what they're trying to do. Uh, but it, it's definitely a um, it's ba- it's an individual basis for like what's the best decision to make. Yeah, no, absolutely. But you make some great points and I agree with you in, in particular the experience of it is a unique opportunity that you have 
in life if you get to do so. And uh, the social aspects, all of that, learning how to learn. And, and again, if you go to a good school or in any school for that matter, you, you get exposed to other ways of thinking, uh, some rigor on how to go about things and how to manage a business. Is when a young person asks you, someone who, like yourself, they, they knew from an early age that they wanted to be their own boss and be an entrepreneur, is your advice usually, like you said, you know, you gave it a caveat there at the end that everybody has a unique situation, but generally speaking, is your advice to go to school, go to university? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to go back to that. It is like a... Um... It's a, it's a situation that's different for people. I would recommend a lot of people just like go to college because you could be working on your business. If things don't work out, at least you have the college education. Like it's a good backup to have in case your business fails or you go deep into it and you realize that it's not working. So, uh, the best approach that I've usually heard of is, uh, like Chandler Bolt went to college for two years, uh, dropped out for a year to see if like self-publishing school would work it worked and he didn't go back to college but uh like his approach was like he was doing the work while he was in college and you don't want to uh, be the uh young budding entrepreneur who just thinks that the success is going to uh happen for you and be so adamant that and you're right like it's good to believe in yourself it's good to have ambitions but you don't want that to uh, cloud up your mind and think, okay, I don't have to go to college. I just pursue this because uh, in the event it doesn't happen, like you don't have the uh, backup. And if you do put in the work while you are in college, like I'm uh, like the podcast, the books and everything else, like in my case, but like if you're putting in the work while you're in college, that is going to build up your commitment. And if you figure out how to make it all work while you are in college, then when you graduate, assuming you're able to work for yourself, that's like 20 extra hours a week easy that you suddenly have where you can go even deeper into your business, start a second business, pursue a side passion. You really learn how to utilize your time uh, if you go to college and grow the business and you get more committed to the business that you're going on. So for a lot of people, I would recommend go to college, even if you have the business, even if you're feeling really good about it. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Thanks for sharing those those thoughts and that perspective. You, you touched on then something I want to jump to, which is how you how you manage and juggle everything. And it's a great point that I have always found and I've read and heard other people tell me before that you know, there's that old saying, if you want to get something done, ask a busy person to do it. Because what you're touching on there is that the more that you bring on that you are committed to and you want to get on, the better you have to get at managing your time. But talk to me about that. You've got so much going on. You've got your school schedule. You've got the businesses. You've got the podcast. You're a, you, you've got Udemy uh, classes. You've got over 88,000 students on Udemy alone. How do you balance all of that? Now, I'm going to ask you multiple questions on this because it's such an, an important topic to me. Uh, but let's start the conversation with uh, how do you manage all of that and what are some tips and techniques that you use to manage your time? 
Well, one of the big things is to create a schedule for each day that you're doing and blocking off time for different commitments that you have. So the first thing I have to do is block off time for my classes because, you know, if I take a bunch of interviews during times when I have class and miss a few classes, that's going to be an F. So I immediately put classes on the schedule, usually work my schedule around the classes, around any potential uh, cross-country track and field meets. So once I have the essentials down, like for school, then I you look and see where is the additional time I have and put that into the business. And I don't just say like, okay, from this time to this time, I could do business things. Uh, like I theme my days usually. So for instance, like in the summer, I only do interviews for Breakthrough Success on Mondays. I'll do anywhere from eight to 12 interviews, depending on how many people show up and schedule a time and date with me and college is back up. I only pick two days a week where I'm doing interviews. So I have the other five to do other things. And I think one of the key things is to get clear on what you want to do, but also get clear on when. So like tomorrow at 7 a.m., what are you doing? Tomorrow at uh, 3 p.m., 5 p.m., 7 p.m., what are you doing? Uh, the night before, I will always create a schedule of um, all the things I have to do and timestamp them so I know what time I'm doing task A, what time I'm doing task B, and also really making sure that what you're doing matters. Like if you're spending five hours responding to emails, maybe you feel catched up, maybe you did some outreach, but that's not going to move the ball forward as quickly as maybe creating the training course, writing the book, uh, being in that affiliate program, creating an affiliate program. There are things that have higher priority and leverage than others and the low leverage things you should assign to some of the people on your team, like audio editing, writing show notes. Those are things that I've never done for any of the breakthrough success episodes. I have a really great team behind me. So uh, just that whole idea of having the team behind you and making sure you're focusing on the things that matter the most. And then when you realize, okay, these are the things that I got to do, schedule them. And so you're looking at your schedule, obviously ahead of time, like obviously when you get your schedule for the semester, you're plugging that in your athletic schedule. And then you're looking at things the night before. Are you looking at the week ahead as well? And then talk to me a little bit more about that prioritization, because I think that's so key. Are you like the night before or maybe for the week looking at deciding what's highest priority and what kind of falls through the cracks or has to get delegated? Tell me a little bit more about that process. Well, it's different for each task and like for interviews, for instance, because I feel like I've been going to that for a while. Um, I will look at the calendar that I have for school. The moment I see that calendar, I make my schedule for the whole semester for interviews because it's something I do once in acuity. I forget about it. And then people schedule interviews with me on those times that I've pre-selected. So there's some things that like I plan for, I pick one day and I plan like several months in advance there are other things you can't like i mean obviously like people have very different schedules like there are some people they could plan their schedules for months with different tasks but you focus you make sure you have the key things planned out for a few months in so like if you're writing a book just like planning just like times of the day you'll write the book for like the entire month 
and having that ready. But if it's something like writing a blog post, that's something that uh, I usually come up with the night before and say, okay, I'll write it tomorrow at this time. So there are some things that I plan out like several months in advance, all the times I'm going to do them for like a whole semester, other things where it's just the night before, but I know I have to do them because I know where my business needs to head in order to reach its new goals and to go a little deeper into prioritization as you uh, requested. Uh, the way I think about that is uh, focusing on what happens to me if I accomplish this goal. Uh, so after I accomplish X, what is Y? What am I getting? Am I making more revenue with this or is this something that's just going to waste my time? Something that's uh, could move me forward, but not as much as the other things. So it's a matter of choosing to do the tasks that you believe are going to lead to the greatest outcome. So like uh, priorities, basically they lie within Pareto's principle. Uh, 20% of your work leads to 80% of your results. Anything within that 20% is a priority. And if you could even go deeper into that and find I think it breaks into this, like I'm not sure about the numbers, but like 4% of your work leads to 64% of your results. Uh, just going into that 4% and making that your priority. The thing that's such a challenge on that though, Mark, uh, great stuff there. The thing that I have found a challenge and others find a challenge is how do you keep yourself from getting uh, sidetracked and um, you know busy with stuff that's easy or fun and procrastinate on the hard stuff. Is it is part of what you're doing is staying very rigid to that time blocking schedule that you have? Has that been what's worked for you? Uh, yeah, part of it is the uh, rigid factor, but uh, there's another uh, thought where um, it's uh, the Productivity Project. That's the book I'm trying to refer to. Like the author's name blanks out on me right now for some moment, for some reason, but. Uh, uh, in the book, he talks about your biological prime time. So basically, that means uh, you are more equipped to do certain things at points of the day than others. So for instance, for someone that likes uh, in the early morning, a lot of writers are able to write early at that time. While at midnight, you ask them to write a book and they're like, no way, those are the early birds. Night owls may find the energy to write it like uh, midnight go deep into 2 or 3 a.m. So uh, our biological prime times are different. So you want to use the on hours, the ones where you are at your peak level of productivity. For me, that's the morning because I'm an early bird. I'm using that morning time to get all the important stuff done. And in the afternoon, like around 2 to 3 p.m., because that's where productivity usually drops in general since you've been up for a little bit. That's the time where I'll respond to emails, do the uh, stuff that I know I have to do, but isn't really moving the ball forward too much. And even slip in a nap because when you wake up from a nap, you feel a lot more energized. Like I actually took a brief nap uh, before this interview and um, I definitely feel a lot more energetic from it. So uh, just being able to understand uh, your biological prime time knowing these are the, this is the time frame where I'm at my best. I'm going to do my best work at this time. And the other things like responding to email and things like that, I'll push to some other time where I know I'm not in my biological prime time. 
Yeah. Yeah. Those are great tips. Great, great insights. I'm, I'm a nap taker when possible as well. This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How of Business podcast. And I invite you to schedule a free business coaching consultation with me. I welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business goals and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to achieve success. As an experienced small business owner, I understand the challenges you are experiencing, and often it's about helping you ask the right questions to help you make progress towards achieving your goals. I can help you get there. To find out more about my business coaching services and to schedule your free coaching session, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. How do you then schedule in and make sure you allow yourself enough time for family, for fun, for downtime, for friends? How do you, do you put that on the schedule as well? Do you block out time or does it just happen naturally? Tell me about that. Um, obviously it's different for each time, but uh, usually what happens is there's something like in the evening where I'll spend time with family and friends. It's uh, not something that I always put in the schedule unless I know in advance it's going to happen. But usually my schedules are works in progress even throughout the day. So I try and get, I try and create a schedule where I get everything done with a few hours to spare. So if like something happens, I could uh, plan out, modify and like still get everything done or I get everything done. And now I either create a new schedule for myself based on the remaining time of the day or I figure out, okay, like we're going to do something in the evening, family time or hanging out with friends. And uh, that's how I get that time. And so sometimes if I know about it in advance, I'll schedule it. If I don't know about it in advance, sometimes it just happens. But uh, you want to figure out how can I get everything done that I need to get done, like two hours, three hours, four hours before. So you can pursue more things if you don't have that family friend get together on that one day, uh, but also to have that time available if the opportunity comes up. Mm -hmm. There's also going to be though, Mark, you know, for someone like yourself who's so busy, one of the things that I'm still learning how to do and others have shared is you also have to learn how to say no to things that are time consuming, that that aren't going to give you that value. And there's some sacrifices that have to be made, right? Oh yeah. And um, like we all say no, even if you don't think you do, because every yes is also a no. Like if you say yes to hanging out with friends and family, you are saying no to your work. So mm -hmm. you do have to strike that balance where your work is getting the results that you want and you're able to spend time with family and friends. And one way to do that is to work in seasons. So like maybe one week you go all in for a work or a few weeks because maybe you have the book and the deadlines coming up. And then when that's over, you have more time some of friends and family to just rejuvenate and feel refreshed. So uh, you could also work in seasons where some of that is just, you are just like hardcore focused on your work while other times you're a little more relaxed, still doing some work, but able to schedule more family and friends get togethers. Yeah. Mark, you're, you're obviously an intelligent young man. You're well-read, you're getting a formal education um, you're talented, but if you had to assess, you know, the success that you've had so far in business and in life, how much of it is attributed to that, that talent that you were born with and that you develop, or 
as opposed to your effort and the amount of dedication and discipline that you've been willing to, as we've just talked about, to sacrifice other things and to work hard, where would you put the balance there as to what you would attribute your success to? I'm, to be honest, I would put 99% of it to effort. I mean, this is just something I noticed with me where when I want to get like something I want to get really good at, it's something that I usually start off like really bad at and I just continue to put in the work. And um, that's how I like get the success in the area. Like there are like so many things that, but there are things that I'm good at now. And like, I'd say almost all of them, I was really horrible at like, like far more horrible than average. And uh, just by putting in the effort, I was able to uh, get good at that thing that I was pursuing. So I'd say 99% of it is based on the effort I put in. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. A couple of follow-ups on that then. Um, that, that discipline to do these things doesn't usually come at an early age. I know it did not for me. Um, and we talked a little bit about your upbringing and, and challenges that you had growing up, but is, is that, were you just born with that? Part of it was instilled in you and how do you help? Let me ask it this way. How do you help other young people find that discipline to put in the effort? Well, I believe one of the best ways I do that is like, I have, I do like speak to young people on this topic. They have questions like I answer them, but I believe one of the best ways to do it is to serve by example, because I believe there are a lot of people who like younger individuals, they may not think this is possible uh, for where they are, where they see like the uh, person who's really successful, who's a lot older. Uh, but uh, I like to, um, as I feel like as I continue to grow, people realize that this is more possible for them. And uh, I, I just feel like people need like, uh, young people trying to become entrepreneurs, like they need the example to see like, okay, proof of concept. This is something that so-and-so did. I can do it too. So, um, And they need to see it. Uh, I think it was part of what you're saying. They need to see it from their peers, right? From people like you who have done it at an early age and been successful. Is that part of it? Yes. Because like, it's really easy for like someone older to say like, this is how you can get into business this is how you can be successful. But uh, you have to be able to like for any person, like you have to be able to relate to them. And like my age, like I could relate very much. I know what it means to like go to college and grow a business as well. I know what it means to balance time with family and friends and growing the side hustle. I, like I know I, I can relate very well to that. And um, I just feel like and, and I feel like there are more teen entrepreneurs and young entrepreneurs like butting up. So I feel like as more of that happens, there are going to be more people who think, hey, this is possible for me to, I should get started with the podcast. I should get started with the blog because I feel like once people see it, that this is possible for them. And they, again, they have that discipline as well. More of them are going to pursue it. What do you say to someone, and this applies to any age, right? I, I started a podcast a couple of years ago, obviously this show, and I struggled with this. What do you say to the person who says, well, I'm not going to be any good at it. I'm afraid of being embarrassed. I'm going to sound terrible. Like you even admitted to when you started with some things, you know, looking back on it now, you're like, oh my goodness, that, that was not very good. But you, you knew you had to start and get on your journey. 
So how do you help people young or old, doesn't matter, get over that fear of that embarrassment, I'm not ready, I don't have enough training that holds us back from getting started? Well, one of the things that I'll do in that situation is just say that like everyone starts at the bottom. Everyone starts like having no idea what they're doing. Like I like to like the thing with my blog is all of the blog posts are up there. You see the ones that come out like recently. You could also scroll all the way back to see some of the first ones I've written. A lot of those first ones are not too good. So I like to show people that like, hey, this is something where you put it out it may not be the most beautiful content, uh, but I feel like when people think like I'm not ready or anything like that, it's because you're looking at uh, the one person. You have some kind of role model, and it's great to have role models, but if you compare to that role model, if you think you have to hit their standard or else you shouldn't be doing it, go listen to some of their first episodes. Like John Lee Dumas is one of the uh, go-to guys for podcasts like he like and he's inspired a lot of people listen to some of his first episodes don't just listen to his new stuff so i recommend just looking at some of the people who you admire seeing what some of their first uh work was because it wasn't pretty no matter who we're talking about so that's my recommendation just like put it out there take small steps even if it is a 50 or 100 word blog post that takes like two or three minutes just uh, taking that small step, hitting the publish button, doing just any kind of small step that gets you closer to the goal, um, that like, and taking that small steps repeatedly, those small steps eventually evolve into big steps and get you to where you want to go. Yeah, well said. I think that's tremendous advice. So the other challenge that you've had, you you've talked about it and you've written about it, is uh, you know the whole age discrimination, you're too young, uh, you know, the, the critique that you're too young to know what you're doing. Um, you've obviously overcome that challenge and succeeded despite that. But for other young people who are listening or that you work with, how do you, what do you tell them on how to overcome that, or at least to tune out that noise of you're too young? Yeah. And this, this is a thing like, um, there's someone just really quick who, um, her book got accepted by a publisher. They realized she was 14. And just with that alone, they rejected a piece that they previously accepted. So like that is definitely like a thing for teens. And like, I'm, I'm sure like for anyone like applying for jobs, like maybe a job says we need 30 business, 30 years of experience and you're not even 30 yet. So like there are different things like that. And uh, if you want to get like, I mean, you can either complain about a problem or you can do something to uh, like be the solution or uh, rise above it. So one of the things that uh, you can't knock is like actually two things is work and effort. So uh, like if you're putting in a lot of work, people are going to recognize that if you are doing the hustle, people are going to recognize that. So I face a lot of that uh, when I was first starting out. But now with all the work I've done with all that I've produced, I don't get that anymore. So it doesn't really feel uh, as close to me. Like I don't really hear anyone saying that I'm too young anymore because of what I've been able to do. So if you're able to produce great work, I mean, like a book is a book, like no matter who writes it. 
a best-selling book is a best-selling book no matter who writes it. So uh, if you're able to keep putting in the work, keep putting in the effort uh, for growing your own brand, and sometimes like like age discrimination, sometimes it's based on uh, someone just says no to you because of your age, but you don't say no to yourself. Like Seth Godin, one of my favorite entrepreneurs, he just says, choose yourself. So if you choose yourself, if you put in the work, uh, that's what would be the best way to um, overcome that barrier. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Thanks for sharing those thoughts. Okay. I want to switch over to getting some tips on content marketing uh, and then we'll move on. But uh, I want to start with this question. What What are some common mistakes you see that's particularly small business owners make when it comes to online and content marketing? We've, we've touched on a little bit on it about the need to create fresh content, lots of content. But what else do you see as a common mistake? I think the number one mistake people make is that they're just not spending enough time marketing the content that they create. This is one of the reasons why I've actually scaled back on creating new content. But what I'll do instead is I'll update old content. So it's a lot less time on the content creation side of people still get a valuable piece of content because it's something that they haven't read for years. And uh, like, um, if you had to pull any of us on like all the blog posts we read this week, there's no way we're going to remember. So uh, that's just one of the approaches I take because I have like thousands of blog posts I could choose from to update. But even if you're at that stage where you have no content yet on your blog and you're just pumping out content, which is uh, very essential, it's just we're not spending enough time marketing. A lot of people have a publish and pray mindset where they publish the content, they hope a miracle happens, they do no work, and all of a sudden, all these people come their way. So uh, that's the single biggest mistake. There's a lot of different ways to market your content. Some people believe in advertising, some people believe in organic, and you could go even deeper into each of those categories. But you need a system for marketing your content that you continuously follow for each new piece of content you publish, because that's how you get the traffic. And um, if you can get that traffic onto your email list, that's where the real money is made. Okay. All right. So a lot said there that I want to break down a little bit. The marketing of the content, what are your, I mean, I know Twitter is a big one, but what are your top platforms right now do you think are most effective for promoting content? Um, my top one is Twitter, as you mentioned, because of the audience I have there. And it does depend for each person, like Facebook is something that works really well for a lot of people. The advertising, which is something that I still have to get into. Uh, so that's something that works really well as well. But for me personally, it's Twitter. It's uh, a lot of LinkedIn. Instagram's growing for me. And I'm actually going to be using Medium a lot more to drive traffic because that could be another really good network. And like Medium, um, you could just start your blog on there free of charge. You don't need to... Uh, like it's still good to have a wordpress.org blog or something like that. But uh, Medium is a place where a lot more bloggers are going to not have to pay the, uh, make the monthly investment and just be able to test to see if their ideas are getting traction to grow an audience on Medium as well. So uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Medium, and also Pinterest for me because I do have an audience there and content that goes out on a continuous basis, but I could be doing a lot more uh, on Pinterest. The key is just finding more time to make it happen, developing systems, and then handing the baton off to 
uh, someone on your team to help out with some or all of your social media. And so do you pay for any traffic now? Uh, right now I am not in the advertising game. My brother is really good with Facebook ads and Google AdWords. So if you want to like, my brother's name is Michael. So Michael Caverti. So, um, um, like if you want to learn about that, he's the better guy for it. But I currently don't really use any, uh, paid ads. This and my brother, like encourages me to, but right now I'm not. So how, how, what do you attribute to having developed your audience? Obviously it's taken some time, but you've done it all organically. We obviously the key to it and the heart of it is the content that you've created lots of and continuous and steady. You've got the podcast that creates a following. Have those been the things that have created an audience over time? Yes. I believe like a lot of that, like a lot of it is based on the content I produced and then continuously tweeting it out on Twitter, uh, sharing it on LinkedIn for the podcast, sharing it on Instagram. But the big thing with the podcast is that, I mean, you know, the whole like building relationships on a podcast, the power of that. But since I do five episodes each week, that's five people each week who I say, hey, your episode is live. I really enjoyed having you on the show. If you're interested, uh, please share the, with your followers. So I'm getting um, more uh, relationship building with the podcast. I'm getting a lot more traffic because there are five people usually sharing it each week who are guests on the show and then their audiences engage with it and share it. So uh, a lot of it is based on like for the beginning part, a lot of it was based on the content I created, having that plan to promote. And now I see an, uh, an expansion where I'm getting the help of others to spread my brands. Like I saw this a lot with the two virtual summits I hosted affiliates uh, promoted that. So uh, like you could do a lot on your own, but look to expand, look to get other people's help with promoting your content, whether it's having them on your podcast, doing some kind of joint venture or something like that. Yeah, agreed. Now, that network effect has been very powerful for me as well through the podcast. Okay, um, we'll take a shift here. We've touched on a lot of the different things you do, but summarize for us briefly the services, the programs that you are currently offering your clients. If you want help with growing your business and getting it to the next level, you can either get help from me in the form of coaching or you can get help through all of the content that I've created. I've created a variety of books and training courses that tackle some of the big issues businesses have with growth, like social media and mindset and productivity. I've written a lot. Of, I've created a lot of free content so you can consume that, get an idea of what you'll get in the paid content. And if you want a more personalized approach where I fully invest in you, uh, you can uh, – be one of my coaching clients as well. Wonderful. I'm curious, uh, you've, you're such a strong vision person. Uh, where do you see yourself that you will be five years from now? What will you be doing? Well, one of the things about this question, what are you doing five years from now? We have three of those years where I'm no longer a college student. So I will miss right. the college experience. Don't get me wrong, but that is like 20 extra hours per week at least to do a bunch of different things and no commute and 
stuff like that. But um, in five years, I see myself really expanding what I'm doing right now, really reaching uh, a lot more people. I have a lot of other ideas in my mind for some stuff I could do on the side, like different content creation ideas that I'm going to pursue. But uh, the main theme for five years from now is to just uh, be a lot bigger brand, uh, attracting a lot more clients, having a really successful subscription-based service, uh, which uh, combines a bunch of my products together, incorporates new offers, because I really think like there's going to be a big theme towards the subscription economy. So uh, you'll see me making bigger moves in that space as well. Where will you be living? That... I honestly don't know. It's either going to be New York or Florida, I believe. Now, like, wow, we're still, okay. like, looking at, like, because Florida has a really good climate all year mm -hmm. round, while New York, like, right now, it's the summer we appreciate it, but come wintertime, it's not as fun uh, in the city, so. Yeah, I'm um, from Florida originally, and we're probably going to be going that, back that way soon. We're in Dallas now, but, yeah, I get it. Okay. Interesting. Thanks for sharing that. Um, books. You're a big book reader, huge book reader. Uh, you mentioned the productivity project. Is there a, another book that you would recommend? Um, yes. For, for productivity project, I remember the author's name is Chris Bailey. So I just wanted okay. to mention that, but uh, the book that I do want to recommend for this particular uh, segment is uh, the compound effect by Darren Hardy. It's one of those books where like you really get a uh, – it, 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 there are so many dramatic examples of like how like the way you spend your time now is going to affect you so much later and how like a few small like extra minutes, a few like uh, small differences uh, can really have a big impact like um, for a horse that wins by like half a nose makes 10 times the amount of money or something like that that the horse that uh, – came in second place. Like there are a lot of like examples he gives in the book that really get you idea of how valuable your time is. And he also gives you a lot of action steps and ways where uh, you can get more out of your time, such as keeping a, uh, like tracking your time, for instance. Yeah. Great recommendation. I have not read that. Sounds compelling. We'll have links to those books as well as to Mark's book books rather on the show notes page of this episode at the how of um, how, how many books a, a month are you reading now? Um, it's different for each month. I mean, like there are moments where I read like 30 books each month. I had the uh, Audible going for me a lot. Right now I'm closer to 10 books per month on average. That's incredible. It's fantastic. Keep it going. All right, Mark, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. Um, I, I want to, to see from you, what's one thing that uh, you would want us to take away from this conversation, especially as it relates to your mission to provide, uh, as you say, a testament to other teenagers that they can be successful at a young age. So, so to that person listening, what's one thing you would like them to take away from our conversation? Uh, one of the big things that I preach is that age is not a limit to success. So if you think you're too young, I mean, a lot of it is based on mindset. Again, like you, you have two choices in any situation. You could either do nothing, you could complain about it or not be happy with it, or you can look to see what can I do? What are some of the things that will help me get to the next level? Who are some of the people who I should be building relationships with? I mean, again, like it, like the world is like open to you. There's so many opportunities if you view it 
with that mindset. The mindset is really the uh, make or break for anyone's success. So viewing the world in a better light and viewing the world based on your possibilities instead of your obstacles will allow you to uh, pursue bigger goals and accomplish them as well. Wonderful. Great perspective. Where do you want us to go online again to find out more about you? So I'm on a bunch of the social networks, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Pinterest, at Mark Birdie. But uh, I actually have two books for you. One of them is like 100% free, like PDF. The other one is free, but uh, the, the shipping payment. So for a free 27 ways to get more retweets, that's just a uh, PDF. You get to markaberti.com slash retweets for content marketing secrets, which uh, you save a lot of money. You just pay for shipping instead of going on Amazon and paying like $18 for the uh, paperback. You can head over to markaberti.com slash book if you're interested in that one. And remember, it's Mark with a C because I do get a lot of uh, K's floating around. So just remember Mark with a C. Fantastic. And if you didn't get that because you're in the car or at the gym, like I listen to podcasts, we'll have all of those links on the show notes page to this episode. Just search for Mark, M-I-M-A-R-C, as he pointed out, at thehowofbusiness.com, and you'll find all of those links. Mark, this is, as I had uh, hoped and planned, uh, been a great conversation, lots of tremendous insights. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for taking the time. And thanks for sharing. My pleasure, Henry. Thank you for having me on the show. This is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. My guest again today was Mark Guberti. And we release episodes every Monday morning. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.